Sometimes on this journey, get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. not the end game the journey's where you are you never wanted perfect you just wanted my heart and the story isn't over if the story isn't good failure's never final when the father's in the room failure's never final when the father's in the room Shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Prodigals come home, the helpless find home. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Miracles take place, the cynical find faith. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking, strongholds now are shaking, love is breaking through when the Father's in the room, love is breaking through when the Father's in the room, ooh, lay your burdens down, ooh, here in the Father's house, check your shame out. Good morning, Browns Corner. We're just so happy that you chose to be with us this morning. Yeah, give the Lord a praise this morning. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. Ah, together, as we read our call to worship this morning, it is found in Revelations 15, verses 3 and 4. 
Uh, Mindy, can you lead them? I can't see yes. it. Yes. Thank okay. you. Yeah, that's why I look here. Um, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Amen. Rescued me, sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. Happy day and oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, forever I am changed, when I stand, when I stand in that place, free and last meeting face to face, I am yours. Jesus, you are mine. Endless joy and perfect peace. Earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. Happy day and oh, happy day. Happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way, God, that you have saved me, and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. Wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be, and oh, happy day, happy day, yes, you are, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, what a glorious, glorious day, I'll never be the same.
to the Lord this morning. Um, the first song that we sang was a song that we had to practice for hours and hours because I don't know if you followed us during 2020 when the church was shut down briefly, but we did that song, um, The Father's House, and how it spoke about how precious this place being together is. And just we're so thankful to be here. Um, whether you, you know, are going through the valleys or the, the mountaintops, we are thankful to praise the Lord together this morning. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know And I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your
just so grateful for who you are and you're a God worthy of praise you're a good God and on the mountains and in the valleys and good times and bad times you are good and we're just so grateful for that God as we continue to worship you this morning we just pray that you reveal to us what you have for us for this moment for this time open our hearts open our minds and help us to receive what you've given us today We ask all these things in Jesus' name.
Good morning. We are going to be continuing the First Peter study. So if you would open up to First Peter 1, starting in verse 22. Not Second Peter, like I have marked in my Bible. At least I hope I'm not supposed to be in Second Peter today. And we're going to go, not James, like my sticky thumbs want me to. There we go. First Peter 1, starting in verse 22, going through chapter 2, verse 3. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, Love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. <laughs> Dan told me I couldn't sneeze into a mic. That was, we continue, sorry. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now I just have that feeling of a sneeze building up. That's the worst. So I'm not sure if your brain works like mine, and when you read something like this, it gets all twisted up. It is really hard for me to comprehend Scripture often, uh, especially the first time I read it. So because I'm so naturally scatterbrained, I have to break it down into tiny chunks and dissect it. Uh, and I use a method I learned when I was an intern at Cran Hill Ranch, um, and I've modified over the years. Uh, it, some of you might be familiar with the Precepts Inductive Bible Study. Um, but I mostly like it because I get to use colored pencils. Uh, but it's really helpful for my squirrel brain. Uh, during the internship, a major element was weekly gatherings. So we had our jobs we were supposed to do, and, and once a week we would all get together and we would do a, some sort of Bible study together, and we'd have about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and we'd go through, we were doing the precept study on Ruth, which is just an incredible, incredible story, incredible study. Um, but we would also watch uh, John Piper break down various passages. Um, and he would have some software where he was scribbling all over it. Well, it actually looks like this by the end of the video. And I love that. Like, I don't write, I'm not a Bible scribbler. There's nothing wrong with that if you're a Bible scribbler. I'm not. But I, I need this software so I can scribble all over it. Uh, but what I found was this method of scribbling on the screen helped me make some of those connections and unscramble some of these uh, twisted twisty Bible verses. Uh, but this next picture here is the inductive study. They don't use as many colors. as I, I bought the big pack of colored pencils. So I had like six different shades of green and seven yellows. I don't know how you get seven yellows, but I had seven yellows. Uh, 
So it's just really helpful. You mark, you symbol, you use keywords, all this stuff to help you process Scripture. Um, and I found that when I use a model like this, um, it's, I soak up far more. I learn a lot more than just what the face value of the text is. For example, so we're going to use this kind of method, my modified, simplified version, for our text today. So let's just look at the first two verses. Since you have been purified yourself by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. This is like, I just got confused reading that. I'm like, twisty brain. Since. When you see words in Scripture like since, for, because, therefore, sirens should be going off. But like a good siren. Like the ice cream truck siren. You hear that song. Oh, it's like this sticks out. Why is that word there? Since you have purified yourselves by the obedience, by your obedience to the truth. All throughout Scripture, all throughout this chapter, Peter is calling back to the gospel. And he's in the call to holy living because you've been saved. You have new hearts through Christ. Each of these verses um, on the screen has a reference to our acceptance of the gospel. Uh, it, I indicated by the italics, and I don't know if you guys can tell, but it's um, your obedience to the truth and since you, or because you've been born again. So that, oh, sorry, our obedience to the truth being the gospel. The gospel is the truth. That's what purifies us. So on this next slide here, so that you show each other sincere brotherly love. Or so you show sincere brotherly love for each other. The first half of this verse, yellow, like let's say that's the because. So this is, this is the why. Why are we doing this? So that we show sincere brotherly love for each other. All right, so on this next slide, and the, next, this, the idea that purification leads to love is repeated in the second half of the verse. We get that. All right, so we're supposed to show love. We show sincere brotherly love because we've been purified by our obedience to the truth. But Peter doubles down on this love stuff. We love each other because we've been born again. A love that comes from a pure heart. If we've been born again, love will overflow. It will be the result of that salvation. And then Peter puts a bow tie on it with this, on this next slide. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. This comes from an imperishable seed. The living and enduring word of God. This chapter ends with a reminder that we've been purified. We've been changed through being born again, the gospel. And this purification is an ongoing process indicated by the freight constantly and living and enduring. It's a process. It's ongoing. So if you've been purified by your obedience to the truth, if you've been born again, you are to love one another constantly. Like I said, that should be the overflow of our new life in Christ. Our character, our attitude, our behavior, our interactions should be love. 
All right, everyone take a deep breath. We're halfway there. On this next slide, four. Remember, that's a, that's a siren word. Ice cream machine or ice cream truck just went by. Why does that say four? So all of that stuff beforehand, four. You've been saved. Show constantly sincere brotherly love. Four. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. What does that have to do with loving people? I don't know. Actually, I do. That was Peter's calling back to Isaiah 40. This, this is in italics because it's a reference to Isaiah 40, specifically verses 6 through 8, which read, a voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass, and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. So what's the purpose? Does anybody remember why Peter's writing this letter? Big word starts with P. That was just an excuse to drink more water. Persecution, right? They are right now experiencing some soft persecution, but pretty quick they're going to be experiencing some very real, very serious, hard persecution. Things are about to get dicey. People are grass and the grass withers. The flowers fall, but God's word endures forever. So Peter's reminding them that the living and enduring word of God that drives our purification and constant love for one another will endure regardless of our circumstances and trials. Our love... The way we love comes from our connection to the gospel, which will never fade. So our love should never fade. So let's underline some stuff. Uh, all flesh is like grass. The grass withers. The word of the Lord will endure forever. This word is the gospel. Connecting the underlined pieces... All flesh is like grass, us, people. You look at the grass withers, time gets tough, we experience persecution. The word of the Lord endures forever. These two things may change, this will not. Grass will wither, flowers will fade. The word of the Lord will endure forever. So, Thus far, on this next slide, we have four spiritual truths. First, we're purified or born again by our obedience to the truth. Second, this obedience drives us to love our Christian family constantly. And third, the word of the Lord, the word of God drives our obedience and love. And finally, it endures forever. But we're not quite done with our passage for the morning. Um, let's read 1 Peter 2. 1 through 3 again. Therefore, ice cream truck, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted 
that the Lord is good. So we got two of those ice cream truck words. We got therefore, which I've always said, or always heard somebody say, well, if you see the word therefore, you got to figure out what it's there for. I know. I know. It's, it's cringy. We can just all soak in the cringe. It's fine. Uh, and then the second one, anybody see what the second one is? The second ice cream truck word? I intentionally didn't read this in the list earlier. So that, ooh, that's close. I was actually thinking if. So that would be another one. But that was like super, that's two words. Come on, Cindy. As for, no, I'm just playing. Yeah, so if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So all of these are callbacks to, all right, so that, look at what it just said. If, look at what we just said. Therefore, look at what we just said. Because of everything we've read so far, because of our four spiritual truths that we've identified, rid yourselves of all malice, envy, deceit, and hypocr hypocrisy. I'm going to say hypocrisy a couple times. Just don't judge me. Uh, maybe just not out loud. All right, so the next slide, we get some colors and stuff again. So therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Oops. Because we've been purified by our obedience of the truth, because we've been driven by that obedience and God's word to constantly love, and because God's word endures forever, these things, this list, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, should not be a part of your life. They should not be a part of your interactions. So in these quick verses here, we get a couple charges, and the first is rid yourself of all that stuff, and the second is to desire the pure milk of the word. So the first few verses here establish our purification is based on the gospel, and that a lifestyle of love is the result of gospel-driven change. When you're born again, your behavior will follow. You don't have to clean yourself up to get to Jesus, but after you get Jesus, the behavior will change. The behavior will follow. See, the term born again can have some mixed understanding, some mixed feelings. But the term regeneration doesn't. I mean, that's the theological term behind the idea of being born again. Regeneration, as one author wrote, was, is God's decision and act and is rooted in the resurrection of Christ. And Paul writes in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ in regeneration. Um, so in regeneration, God quickens the mind, opens the eyes, and renews the will. The regenerated person comprehends the gospel and is attracted, so he comes to Jesus freely and willingly, which leads to behavior change. And if it doesn't, you have to ask yourself if you've truly given your life to Christ. However, this is not to say we won't sin after we're saved. But you won't be living out a lifestyle of sin. You will make mistakes. There will be sin issues that you deal with. However, it will not be a lifestyle of sin. Um, and if we are living out a lifestyle of sin, you have to ask yourself again, have you truly given your life to Christ? If these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, if these things are a part of your life, you're living out characteristics and behaviors antithetical to the gospel. 
Get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Why? Here's the next slide. So that, good job, Cindy. So that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Again, this is a process. The Word of God is enduring and living, purifying us constantly and helping us grow up into our salvation. It's a process and a progression. All with another gospel bow tie on, one, on the next slide here. Because orange is my favorite color. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. I really appreciate how one commentator summarized it. He, he writes, Peter names a series of sins and sinful attitudes in 1 Peter 2.1, but he surrounds his call to reform with a call first to the gospel and second to life in God's family. In Peter's language, if we obey the truth by believing the gospel, we will tell the truth by putting off deceit and slander. If we have, sorry, we have tasted that the Lord is good and know that we belong to his family. God feeds us and grants us sincere, heartfelt love for each other so that we put away sin and grow up in our salvation. Church, if you have been born again, if you're a believer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then a few things change. First, sorry, slide. First, we're leading each moment of our lives with a gospel-driven lifestyle of love, not by the circumstances we face. We can only do this by spending time in God's Word, spending time in the presence of God. Church, when are you spending time with Jesus? When are you creating pockets of, how are you creating pockets of time in your life to soak up Scripture, to study Scripture, to dissect it to this extent? I don't do this all the time, by the way. Like, I wish... It would be, that's ideal, right, is to every morning just, like, get your colored pencils out and doesn't, life doesn't afford me that luxury, right? And that's okay. You, gotta, you don't have to do this, but you got to do something. When are you spending time with Jesus? Here's the check. How do you respond to uncertainty? When things go awry, when somebody wrongs you, is your response gospel-driven love and what does Bible study look like for your life, for your context? I have a different job, a different family situation, a different lifestyle than every single one of you. We all have stuff. We're all busy, right? How are you making time for Jesus? And how do you respond in situations where uh, curveballs are thrown? One writer simplifies our proper response in saying that we should always seek the path that is in line with the gospel. Second, we recognize the living and enduring nature of God's word using it as the filter through which we interact with the world, not the other way around. In our high school discipleship community, uh, we're going through some tough questions. I said, what questions do you guys have? Actually, I said, ask me two questions about life, faith, the world, whatever, and we're going to tackle it. And we've had some really good discussions, and a lot of their questions have to do with social issues and cultural experiences. Um, almost every social issue that they bring up has some semblance or uh, there's a little bit of conflict 
with either scripture or how people have interpreted scripture or the church or how people have, like, there's a little bit of conflict, which is why they ask the question, well, what does God have to say about this? And every time I ask, in this situation, is scripture the lens through which you view the issue? Or is this issue the lens through which you're viewing scripture? In your situation, in your conflict with whatever the big issue is in your life right now, is Scripture your lens through which you view that issue, or is the issue the lens through which you view Scripture? Thirdly, we rid ourselves of all community-killing characteristics and behaviors. This letter is basically Peter uh, saying two things, stand firm in your faith and stand together. If you don't know one another, you can't stand together. If you don't have people, faith-believing, gospel-driven people in your lives, when stuff gets tough, it's going to be very hard. So we, we stand together. We stand firm in our faith and we stand together. If you don't know anyone... If you don't know one another, you can't stand together. If you're being malicious toward one another, you're killing the community that the church family is supposed to exemplify. If you're deceitful about your lives, if you're not being authentic and transparent, you're killing community. If you're hypocritical, two-faced, envious, slanderous, you're destroying the very thing that will determine our fortitude during persecution. So all of that begs the question, are you a part of this community or are you simply consuming? Do you desire community? Or as Peter said, do you desire the milk of God's word? Does your purification, based on the obedience to the truth, lead to a constant lifestyle of gospel-driven love? And all those questions are for you to first handle with God and to second handle within community. We have lots of ways here because he's talking to believers. He's talking to church. He's saying, get connected as your church. We want you to, like, we're not here to sell a product. We're here to be a family. And there are many, many ways for you to increase your involvement in this family. Men, like I, I targeted or I uh, cornered 22 of you last week and said, hey, are you going to the men's retreat? It is, we are in the most connected but isolated time society's ever been in. Guys, you need to be at that men's retreat. We need to start being authentic, being real, being genuine, being transparent, and supporting one another. Women, get involved in the women's ministry, in the Sunday school. Or the, oh, i got to put a dollar in the jar. Don't tell Steve I said Sunday school. It's a discipleship community. Get involved. Everybody should be involved in a discipleship community class because that's where community is built. This isn't come here, check boxes, and go home. This is the family that will get us through tough times. And that's what we're here for. 
not just me, not just the pastors, not just the ministry leaders, but every single one of us. We're supposed to be changed through the gospel to live a life of gospel-driven love so that when persecution comes, we'll be able to stand firm and stand together. Don't tell Jeremiah I went so quick, but let's pray. God, you are so good to us. I'm just so thankful for this church body. I'm thankful for this, this place where we can come to worship you. But more, not importantly, but, but God, you give us a family here to help us worship when it's not so easy. You give us a family here to worship when life gets a little busy, when life gets a little chaotic. God, help us to lean on this family. Help us to be real, to be authentic, to be transparent, and to live out this life of gospel-driven love toward one another so that we can be a part of this community, but so that we can build your kingdom to further your kingdom outside of our little church family. God, we're just so grateful that you give us this opportunity to be here. As we go, God, guide us, lead us, stir in our hearts. Let us not squash any leanings of the Spirit to talk to somebody or to text somebody or to reach out because that's all part of being a community. Help us to lead well, to live well, to honor you in each moment. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, if you want to take some time to pray with somebody, we'll have people up here uh, and have a blessed day.